Dr. Melvin. Yes. I have a really funny feeling we're in for a treat today. Absolutely. What do you have for us? <laughs> well, at the last podcast, we uh, talked about uh, Myers-Briggs, and we picked out the function of introverted versus extroverted, uh-huh. and we discussed the difference between the two. And that uh, those two are basically ways of showing how we get our energy, you know, what sources us. We get sourced by people, something outside, something external, or we get sourced internal by being quiet, uh, being uh, reflective, thinking before we move, <laughs> or, 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 or really being the person who's, you know, quiet in the background as compared to in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Now, today we're going to talk about another two functions. This is going to be the sensing function and the intuition. Now, intuition, which is referred to within, you know, Myers-Briggs is an N instead of an I, which seems like, you know, N versus I, it's an N. So when we say N or intuitive, we'll refer to it as a N for intuitive. On the opposite side of the spectrum is S, which stands for sensing. Now, these two functions are the way that people gather information. So people gather information either through their sensing or through their intuition. Now, sensing. Sensing basically is looking at data coming in, and it comes in in a concrete fashion. For example, if you tell me I need to be at work at 7.04, a sensing person will go 7.04 and look at 7.04 like 8 o'clock. They wouldn't question, is it 7.15? They want to know exactly what it is. Give me a concrete number. Don't give me, it may be, I'm not sure, it's 7-ish. No, it is 7.04. On the other side of the spectrum, an intuitive person will look at it and kind of go, 7. But we speak typically, because I am one, we speak in metaphors. So we speak in generalities. We speak like, you know, roundabouts, issues. And we're not really precise, whereas the opposite function, which is the sensing function, would absolutely speak in concrete terms. For example, if my wife says she wants hot sauce at a restaurant, she doesn't want hot sauce. She wants Tabasco sauce. And that's a real big difference for her because there are a lot of different hot sauces. And, you know, I went to a store and they had 1,000 different type of hot sauces and i didn't know that even that many existed and most of them are very yummy yeah see i'm not that kind of sensing person so for her it makes a difference if it's tabasco sauce or some other type of hot sauce and to me hot sauce is hot sauce so i'm looking at it in an abstract figurative way of like hot sauce generality hot sauce she's looking at a very precise brand type and looking for a particular flavor and a typical experience. And that, you know, without getting really deep into Myers-Briggs, there are really two types of sensing people, personalities, types. One looks at today and backwards. So what they do is they accumulate all of the data that they've ever collected in their entire life, and they use it like a reference library. So if you listen to an S, they will go like, do you remember... Yeah, I remember that. You remember grandma's car? It was a red 1947 convertible and it had uh, black leather seats in the back and and one of the seats had a cut in it. Yeah, 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 I remember that. And I remember in the summertime, one time we were going out and it was 88 degrees, not hot, not warm, 88 degrees. And the sun, and they can give you blow by blow by blow description of what happened. So they always have this historical perspective that they use in order to gather information. So the more data they have and the more information they have, the better they can make their decision. The problem with that is that they typically live in the present and they can't look into the future because basically the future is no more than the past. And they build on that for evidence and say, well, I know this won't work because I tried that. I know this won't work because somebody else tried that. But when they refer to things, they're referring to things that they absolutely know concretely happened and exist. They don't make stuff up. So if you're talking to a person who is an S, who is that concrete person, it doesn't do well to generalize or like my wife and I had this conversation many, many times because she's a Myers-Briggs expert also. And uh, I used to tell her, 
I'll have some money in 30 days. And so she would come back in exactly 30 days and go, did you did you get the money? Did you pay the money? Did you do whatever the case may be? And I'm going like, why are you asking? You said 30 days ago you would have money. And I'm going, yeah, well, that didn't happen. So it might be another 30. And she would get infuriated because I said 30 days. So now looking back, I can see where for her 30 days meant 30 days. And for me, I was trying to give her some kind of indication of when I thought the money was coming, but that was never communicated. Wow. So many universes that have collided in my experience just became illuminated. Um, so you're saying that the sensing, they live in the present, but their entire points of reference are all in the past. Correct. Wow. And so when they gather data, it's all the data that has happened up until this very moment. Mm-hmm. So as far as looking into the future or looking at something like, you know, past tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, all they go back and reference, no, this is the past and this is how it is and this is the way it's going to happen. And, they, and they're looking for more data. Mm. And then they start like a computer. Mm. And the opposite of that is the intuitive person who is abstract and, you know, open and imaginative and, you know, off the outside the box. You know, you know, the, the, you know, here's a concept I'm looking at. And the concept is not concrete. A concept is a concept, but they're futuristic. And they usually have, a, a, I think I found a spiritual element to it. But there's some kind of intuitive way that an intuitive person just kind of knows. So they gather more information. As they gather the information, it's like puzzles. You gather a little bit, and then you gather a little bit more, and you mm-hmm. gather a little bit more. And then when you have all the pieces together, da-da, I got the puzzle. Mm-hmm. But you're constantly looking at more pieces, and you're not necessarily basing anything on today or yesterday because you don't know what tomorrow's going to be. So you want to include all of the possibilities so that when you make your decision, you've included everything even up until this very second because you never know when you have a breakthrough or insight that you wouldn't have you would you didn't have yesterday. So now you're looking at it today and say I didn't know that yesterday, but now that I know this and all this seems to make sense, ah, I have enough information and this is what I think we ought to do. My intuition tells me this is the right thing. Interesting. I mean, I'm an intuitive and conversations I've had with people that I can now understand are sensing um, just just alters how I've perceived and experienced things. So, for example, I do speak in very often in very abstract terms, uh, very often in um, generalized terms, and some people freak out about that. You can't talk in generalizations. Wah! I mean, just explosively like upset. So what you're getting at is that what I'm doing is I'm basically committing the greatest crime, or at least among the greatest crimes, to be experienced by a sensing person is communicate in generalizations. Or- oh, listen, another example. When you go into a meeting and they say, let's brainstorm some ideas, there's a certain group of people called the S's mm-hmm. that will cringe and want to run out of the room because mm-hmm. that is the worst thing you could possibly do. That's worse than washing your face with sandpaper. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. because they are so irritated because all they want to know is give me the facts, tell mm-hmm. me what we need to do so I can get out of here. Got it. I want you know, efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, Whereas the brainstormer, who is a visionary, is looking at all possibilities and going to talk it out and work it out to a point that they're comfortable and be able to say, okay, this makes sense. Let's do it. But question, though, is that the visionary? In other words, I mean, I get, as an intuitive, I mean, I uh, highly abstract, imaginative, and, you know, the standard things. My experience in brainstorming sessions is that they're slow and frustrating because if 20 ideas are on the board, 17 of them are mine. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating because there are some people who really fight for balance and it's at all, you know, if, if there's four people, we should have five each. But then I sit there, I mean, I, and I spit out those 17 within the first two or three minutes. And then I basically sit there for the, for the next hour waiting for those other three to go up on the board. Now, see, that, that two different things. Mm-hmm. The, Matt, the fact that you're an intuitive and you're that visionary, you come up with 17. Mm-hmm. Where if you were an S, the opposite function, you'd be sitting there waiting for everybody to make all of the decisions and all the ends would get together and they would talk and talk and talk. And when they're finished, they'll go, okay, we're going to take tomorrow off. And the S is going like, well, you could have said that an hour ago. 
You, matter of <laughs> fact, you could have sent me a memo, send me a text, send me an email. I don't have to be in a meeting for an hour for you to make a decision. Right. Make your decision and then send, let me know. All I don't I, have to be part of the process. Interesting. Yeah. All I care about is what's now, or is what I can use from the past. And that vote would now be in the past, and therefore I can take action on it. Yeah, and it's hard for them to see that they're really in the present making these decisions. But mm-hmm. if you listen to them, they'll go, I remember when we tried to do that before. They're not the people who really want welcome change. Mm-hmm. Those people have, a, you know, like let's be consistent because mm-hmm. there's there's certainty and persist, you know, and consistency. Mm-hmm. So I want the same thing, repeatable results over and over. So when my wife orders the Tabasco sauce, she knows what Tabasco sauce tastes like, mm-hmm. and she's expecting that experience to be duplicated. Why? Because in the past, she had that experience when she went to the restaurant, when she put Tabasco sauce on her nachos and had this particular <laughs> taste and flavor and the temperature. They get into all of that. Whereas for me, where'd you eat? Um, nachos? Oh. <laughs> so me. So me. What'd you have for breakfast? I have no idea. They're like, it was what? good. I have like, no idea. Uh, I'm looking at today and tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. So why in the world would I want to focus on yesterday? Because I can't repeat yesterday. That's done. Mm-hmm. Let's look where we're going. No, because we have to. And so you have conflict. So in relationships, when my wife is telling me how she thinks I should be driving, she's doing it because she's gathering information as of like the last time we went down the street, there was a traffic jam. Well, I'm going like, because you had a traffic jam down the street the last time you were on the street, what's that got to do with today? Mm-hmm. Well, because there was a traffic jam before, I'm assuming based on historical data that there may be, may be a traffic jam. <laughs> so to avoid that traffic jam, especially being an introvert, why don't we take this street? Mm-hmm. Which sometimes turns out to also have a traffic jam, but at least she did something different because she knew that if she had continued, then she would probably say, well, I know that if we had continued on the original path, we probably would have run into a traffic into jam. Into a traffic jam. Now, here's a scenario that um, I was um, indirectly involved in. This was a, a coaching client I had some years back. And this may uh, play into exactly this scenario. Uh, this person was on the board of directors for a sports organization, a national sports organization. And she had been um, in conflict with one of the senior board members whose direction, in fact, it was the president of the board. And the direction of this person was actually, they were losing clients, they were losing affiliates, the organization was actually getting smaller under this person's leadership, and this person would not change direction at all. And this person that I was, my, my client, um, had a very strong vision for the future. She saw where she wanted to take the organization. She saw that um, the, the, the loss of the clients was a problem, and she was in conflict. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's look at this. Now, I didn't have the uh, Myers-Briggs distinctions, but I was aware uh, that there are some people that are informed by the past and must be informed by the past. And when we had the conversation, the visionary person had, was always speaking in terms of the future, but she wasn't getting anywhere in the conversation. And then I, I made this recommendation. I said, well, here's what I suggest that you do. Gather up people who have worked with her and have them describe, not you, but have other people describe what has happened and what the results of those things that have happened in the past are, one by one, so that you have this laundry list of those things. And at first, she was kind of baffled because her points of reference, of course, are not in the past. It's all about the future, the future, the future. We're going to lose the organization in the future. I said, okay, I get that. But focus on the past to give this person a perspective in their own language and in their own universe. And ultimately, what ended up happening was they had the next meeting and she performed precisely to script. She brought in three or four people. They all spoke about what had happened in the past, the consequences of that in the past. And they were written down and... Of course, they could not be refuted by a person that refers to the past. And after almost a year of this battle going on, um, not only did this person see the point when given the information from the past, uh, the person ultimately immediately resigned from the board, and this person that I was coaching was basically immediately appointed to the board as president that fast. So I, it's so is that in line with, with, with basically a sensing person opposite on the opposite side of the table of an intuitive yes a sensing person would typically have the characteristic of a person who uh 
doesn't want to change. Here are the rules. Mm -hmm. This is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And this has worked for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. should we change it? Right. And a new person coming in with all these great ideas. You're an outsider. You have no idea what you're talking about. You haven't been here as long. And Mm -hmm. you don't know Joe, Bill, Willie, all of the different people in the organization. You don't know about the trucking schedule. All of the different details that are big. We can work that out. Mm -hmm. What, What do you mean work this out? This is the way it's been. This is how we got here. Why would we want to change? Right. So what is it? Now, to me as an intuitive, when we're headed toward the cliff, like, for example, this organization was headed toward a cliff. And... It was basically impossible to tell the to to have the person the the then president look out the front window and say, "Do you see that cliff out there?" And the person says, "Well, of course I don't, because I'm looking out the back window." Right. Um, the scenario that I recommended was successful, but is there any description that you can offer that helps myself as an intuitive understand why it's seemingly absolutely impossible for the sensing person to look out the front window versus a full-time view of the back window. Okay, so first of all, it is not impossible. Okay. One of the things we distinguished before is that the ultimate goal with Myers-Briggs is individuation. Individuation by Carl Jung means being able to have balance, that mm-hmm. you can do both. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to have the ability to be intuitive, but at the same time, you also want to have the sensing, which is the concrete information, a blend of two. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, in any given situation, you should have the ability to say, ah, in this situation, detail, historical reference makes a difference. I will gather that information before I make a decision. Mm-hmm. Also, you may decide that I want to gather all of this information before I make a decision, which is going to really be about the future, but I'm considering all the things that happen as I look into the future and make my prediction, make my gut intuition, but you're at least considering that. Mm-hmm. You also want to work with people who are not like you because you can't see your blind spots and that other person may see your blind spots because they're opposite of you. Mm-hmm. Now, they might not be able to see theirs, mm-hmm. but you can see each other's blind spots and realize that's complementary as compared to adversarial. And that way, an organization, which is what Myers-Briggs was originally created for, will work much better. So in relationships, if I know that I'm the big picture person and my wife is the detail person, whenever someone says, uh, can we get together at three o'clock on the 21st of July, it just immediately stops up. I don't do detail. That's Sherry. Go talk to <laughs> Sherry and Sherry will write the details down. She'll get the address. She'll get the time. She'll get the location, what we supposed to bring and all of this. And I'm trying to remember it. I know it's sometime in July. Did you write it down? Well, now that I have a phone, I can put it in the phone immediately because what I've learned is that if I don't put it down in the phone immediately, my big picture will be off into the next world and I will forget to date and mm-hmm. what happened? Whereas if I remember, oh, it's about balance, here's an occasion where detail does matter mm-hmm. and I will remember the detail because I'm gonna put it in my phone and set a reminder to remind me and then I might even send a reminder to remind the reminder to mm-hmm. remind me <laughs> just to make sure it's not like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Now, coming up with great ideas, the visionary, the person that wants to lead the company, that that's the person who's going to like, you know, take you into the future. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about also the uh, the people who are intuition, who are intuitive, is that they don't always know where they're going, but they figure it out on on the road, okay. and they always get to where they need to get to. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, they're right, and their intuition proves out to be right. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to making decisions. For the future, the intuitive person, that's their job. That's what they should do in the company. That's what they should do in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Another example, when it comes to creating product or creating new seminars or creating new ways of doing something, or if there's a breakdown and the old system didn't work, who do they call? They don't call Ghostbusters. They want to call the creative person who can say, this is not working. What do we do? And then the creative person comes in and says, well, you know, like the kid, you know, the truck, uh, 18 wheeler was stuck on, going under underpass mm-hmm. and they couldn't get it out. And the kid came along and said, let the air out of the tires. Mm-hmm. So for a person that can think outside the box, we might look a little, you know, we might look a little strange thinking outside the box. But, you know, you need people who think outside the box yeah. when 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 the box has a lid on it with a padlock and you can't see your way out. Yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of my time in advertising. Um, I'd worked on a campaign for a major airline. And as an intuitive, um, it was highly unusual that, um, in my experience, that an intuitive is a project manager. 
and um, there had been tremendous conflict between the agency and this airline as it relates to the campaign historically. And people knew because once, you know, shake my hand and you get that I love the airline industry and that I love uh, aircraft and, and that's like number two on my list of things to see and experience. Um, they immediately brought this client to me and said, here, this is yours, bye. And they left me alone with it. And I created a questionnaire for what were the priorities uh, of the airline and this route and why they chose a certain aircraft that they did, et cetera. And uh, the agency thought I was crazy. It's like, why are you asking all these questions? I said, well, because, you know, we, we kind of need to know this to be able to put together a competent, um, a competent campaign. They said, well, but, but it's a really tiny budget and da-da-da-da. And I took the questionnaire, I think it was about five or six pages, to the client, and the client was more than happy to answer them and actually made the comment that no one's ever brought me a questionnaire. No one's ever actually inquired at this level of, 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 of wondering what it is that we need before. And I said, oh, and I was, I was actually legitimately surprised by this, but in the background, kind of not really. Long story short, I, I took the information that I'd gathered from the client and built the campaign, and the campaign was ultimately dramatically more successful than anyone had anticipated. And in fact, even after I'd left the agency, they used exactly that same, that same campaign for different routes the following year. And um, everyone thought I was basically coloring outside the box as I was building this campaign, but it turned out that it was amazingly successful. Some of that was based on my experience but I'd say about 90% of it was based on what I was imagining and the concepts and identifying who was going to be on the route and sort of using my intuition to assemble all those together. And lo and behold, they congealed and I took risks. They saw the risks, but they ultimately worked out. So I, can, you, I, can, can, you, can you hear in your conversation, took risk? Mm -hmm. An S is not taking oh, it's any not risk happen. because exactly. it's like, I know this is predictable mm -hmm. because why? Because I have evidence. It's happened before. Mm -hmm. I've been here before. Mm -hmm. And based on my evidence, blah, blah, blah. So anything that is abstract or unusual or breakdown, that's when you want to call the N in and say, okay, what do you see? Let the creative people create the material. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is keep, you know, keep track of the data and set up a structure so that if the data needs to be retrieved, you'll have a system set up to do that. Not the end who's off into the next thing. <laughs> you know, it's like you can create all types. Uh, advertisement, a perfect career for a person who is a visionary. Yay. Being able to see nothing and make something out of nothing and just getting the pieces and going, oh, like you said, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and then you can say, oh, this is what we can do. Mm -hmm. Bam. That's not the person who is looking for repeatability, consistency, mm -hmm. concrete, tangible evidence so that they know this is real. Mostly things that drive me crazy. Yeah. What typically opposites attract each other. So yeah. it wouldn't be unusual for a person who who's, uh, you know, has a keen sense for detail and also S's have a keen sense for smell, enjoying the moment right then and there in the moment. To, you know, they would be like a speed skater or, or a, a somebody who does skiing or somebody that does uh, uh, car racing. Somebody, you know, somebody who can really get into that, you know, that experience in the moment. I mean, I so do all those things. It, it, it's very different. So, it, opposites <laughs> attract. And so you know, you know, it's like you're on the plane enjoying yourself, and the other person like. The temperature is a couple of degrees too cold or too warm. I want a blanket. I want hot coffee with a decaf latte. Uh, and I want uh, a I want use skim milk. Don't use uh, and all of the detail. That's the person who runs the waitress crazy. So when she goes in the kitchen, she'll go, oh, I got one on table seven. Oh, she's really, oh, she's special. And they talk about you. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they do. Because you come back and forth and like, no, I wanted a glass with six ounces of water, not a glass. One time my wife and I went to a restaurant and we went to the same restaurant twice. The first time we went there, we had a glass that was probably, you know, like six inches tall and had about eight ounces of water. We went back the next day and we got a glass that was like four inches tall that held about four inches of water. And she complained to a point that she actually called the manager out and said, why am I getting a different glass? Oh, my god. I goodness. was here yesterday and the glass was like da, da, da. And now I'm getting a glass like this. Are you doing this? on? Per and it was just incredible. But in their world, mm -hmm. consistency is important because mm -hmm. that provides safety. And yep. that provides 
security. Yeah. So therefore, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't have to worry about survival if I know that if I keep doing the same things, it worked yesterday. I'll keep doing the same things today because it worked, and I will survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely amazing because if I got a different glass today than yesterday, I would just notice in really what I would experience as concrete terms that I have a different glass, and I would just note it, and that would be that. That'd be that. Yeah. Yeah. But, wow. You know, there's a big distinction between how people who want everything to work mm-hmm. need all the data so that they can make the conclusion. Now, who's the personality who, as the waiter waitress, who can tolerate that? Because I know that, you know, people have on occasion when I was younger said, you know, oh, you can go work in a restaurant. You know, it's great money, blah, blah, blah. But I just knew literally intuitively that I would never be able to be successful in that role because of the type of requests that your your wife was making. Yeah. But see, um, see here, here's a good idea. People who know people that are like that, mm-hmm. they come back and say, it has been an absolute pleasure waiting on you. Here's my card. If you ever come back to the restaurant, please make a reservation and allow me the opportunity to serve you again. And I'm looking at the waitress or waiter and going like, are you crazy? <laughs> After what she sent you through? Mm-hmm. And what they say is, I have a high level of respect for people who know what they want. Mm. And my job is to give them what they want. So I love the challenge of mm-hmm. pleasing people. And the more difficult it is, the greater the challenge. And I'm looking like, okay. And, and, and what personality is that? That's a person who also sees the world the same way, who is another S. Got it. Because Beautiful. they speak the same language. Beautiful. It's like, you know, you speak Martian, I speak Martian. Oh, my God, another Martian. Oh, look at this. We can <laughs> talk to each other. What else? And then come back. Some of them come back and say, well, you know, we have two types of green Tabasco sauce. You know, we have the one that was, you know, and then they got a new one out. Really? They have a new one out? And I'm like, oh, you got to be crazy. Oh, boy. So, so, so is that the person that complains in the back or is... Is, is it a different person who can bring, comes out with the card and says, please return? The person who says, please come back, is another S. It's another S. Got it. The person that's in the kitchen talking about the diva on table two, that's an N. Like us going like, I can't get it right. You know, she wants this. She wants this. And I'm going like, I'm going to give you food. Wow. And you're going, no, I want it in a particular way. I want, it, I want the onions sauteed, mm-hmm. not too hard. Mm-hmm. Not, I want them to be crispy so that when I crunch into them, they're not just you know mushy and just soft. I want them like that. And then the cheese. What kind of cheese do you have? Oh, I have cheddar cheese. I have blueberry cheese. I have blah, blah, blah. I have that. Okay, well, let me have the so-and-so. And how does that taste? And how is it prepared? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and do you use this kind of salt or do you use that kind of salt? Or, and, you know, and, and what kind of meat is it? Is, you know, is it just hamburger meat or is it... <laughs> Now, how? What's it like? So, what's it like to drive with that person? Because when I drive, for example, I anticipate things. I, I look at patterns. Absolutely. I look at the way vehicles move. I look at the way certain drivers move. I look oh, don't at the tell way me. Certain... It's like you're looking down the road and looking at the flow of the traffic, and mm-hmm. you're able to determine where you want to be now, so that you can take advantage of the three cars on the right and one on the left. So I'll get on the left. You ultimately know the big picture is that you need to get off five miles down the road. Mm-hmm. So five miles down the road, you'll be getting off. But it doesn't mean that you need to get in the right-hand lane four miles down the road because you're going to be getting off because that's stupid. You see all of the traffic. Right. You don't see the car in front of you. You see well, all I of Well, I see it. the car in front of me. I mean, you see the car in front of me. But I mean, you're looking at the big pictures. You're taking everything into consideration. Correct, yes. Including the one in front exactly. of you. Exactly. All right. That's not the way an S does that. How does an S do that? An S looks at... I'm going to be getting off in five miles, mm-hmm. so you, I should get over in the right-hand lane so that it's simple, it's clean, and you never know because in the past, when I tried to get off and I waited too long, I couldn't get off with comfort and ease because I had to you know, to break, hit the brakes. I had to try to see it, and maybe somebody won't let me in because that's happened in the past where someone doesn't let me in, and if they don't let me in, then how am I going to jump three lanes over to the right? And all of this is going on in their heads, whereas we're looking at, like, we'll make it. We'll make you know, it. It's like now, not a big deal. Now, like, so for myself, I would think about, okay, I have five miles to go. And I would, I would also imagine all the scenarios that would prevent me from changing lanes. So I go, okay, let me try to change, begin to change lanes now so that in case, uh, and, and of course, looking into the past, there have been situations where in the last, say, half mile, I wasn't able to make it over. So at least I've learned from that experience to basically move over that much sooner. So is the sensing person the person 
obviously doesn't wait till the last minute. When do they make the lane change? I don't know when they make the change, but they want to do it from a historical perspective. Of, Got it. I need two miles. Okay. So in two miles, they're moving over. Right. If the traffic in the front looks like it's blocked, uh, close or difficult, mm-hmm. then they go to you know option number two. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with this traffic now, what do I do? Based on what I've done before, I might need to get over you know in three miles instead of two miles. Okay, well maybe there's an accident because I've come down here before and there was an accident and that's why the traffic's backed up. Maybe I should even get off the road because I know this won't work well. But they don't know that because they're not looking at. I'll be able to get off in five miles. Mm-hmm. I can get off in thirty. You know, I can get off in a half a mile because hmm. I can turn my blink on and just bogart just and get on over it like a lot of people do. Or if you see people who's in line, you know, they're like maybe uh, twenty cars in line to get off the exit. You always find someone who absolutely goes to the apex, goes right up to the exit, and just whoop, swings right in. Mm. That person people talk about because in the past you know that person should not you know that person should be in line like everybody else and who do they think they are to do this because they're not following the rules and the rules person is typically an s person because rules support structure mm-hmm. the course. rule makers and the ones who are out to box that are little renegades <laughs> those are the end people <laughs> so like, is the what box <laughs> exactly i mean so so is the s person the person who freaks out when they're in the passenger seat and something happens that's outside Absolutely. of their rules. Absolutely. They can't see the big pictures like, eh, it was just part of the journey. Right. You know, it's like no big deal. For them, the immediate, like I said, oh, this happened before and I know that people have accidents and they're going back to the computer and thinking about like how many bad things have happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to go back and double check the lock because, you know, somebody may break in. So they're thinking maybe sometimes worst case where you're thinking best case and opposites, you know, like when we go out the house, did you lock the door? Yes, I'd like to do it. Go back and check. So is an obsessive-compulsive personality sort of an extreme version of an S? I don't want to label anybody like that, but if you had to generalize which mm-hmm. is what an N would do. Which is what I'm doing. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you might Feels be able good. to see those people who, you know, a little bit over the top in okay. that category. Got it. Jack Nicholson is as good as it gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be an S. Okay. An N would be the person who's going, like, uh, bacon and eggs, and it's like, mm, eggs are a little too done today uh, but they're usually good it's no big deal i'm hungry i eat them or, so, so the cuba gooding jr character might be an intuitive because he was able to jump back and forth with no matter who he was speaking with he could speak their language uh he could anticipate the bigger picture he knew what he was doing to produce a bigger picture while the people around him were sort of yeah you know you know maybe even look at the deal makers or the guys who negotiate mm-hmm. you can't negotiate like Oh, based on the past, you, you're negotiating in the future and you're looking at possibilities that may work. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to manipulate and change and modify and compromise and do all of those things you need to do. And it's not a concrete outcome. Mm-hmm. Whereas a person who goes into a negotiation with concrete ideas and thinking this is the way it's going to be would probably find it more difficult to negotiate. And that's why those people also found it difficult to do brainstorming because brainstorming is out the box, mm-hmm. not in the box. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to talk about three things. Talk about the three things. Okay, you're talking too long. You know, oh, you, you, you know go this way. That's where they come from. Because if you look at it that way, what, what, what occurs to me is that a, uh, a negotiation is literally a brainstorming session that moves consistently moves it can con- so in other words with a brainstorming session you put you make your list and the list pretty much sticks to the wall and there it is but in negotiation you make your list and some things get taken off the list some things get modified some things stay on the list but both of those things are, are moving and i can really get now how an s would just be shaking in their chair yeah hmm yeah 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 if you want to make sure that the airline is going to work you want someone who is a structured person. Another characteristic of the S is that they're behind the scenes, typically. They support people. The N may come up with this great idea, but the S is going to make sure there's structure. Hmm. Like my wife and I. I'll create the seminars, but she's going to go, where's the introduction? Uh, where's the format? Mm-hmm. Where's the agenda? Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take? We need to practice. And I'm going like, oh, we just don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. We know this material. Where's 
I, I want an agenda. <laughs> I want a timeline. I mm-hmm. know exactly what we're going to talk about. May even script it out to make sure that I even know what I'm going to say because they want that kind of detail. Because now I can operate at peak performance, especially with consistency, if I have it structured in a way that I can repeat it over and over again. So don't come back and say, you want to change it again? What do you mean, change it again? This works. Why do we need to change it? Mm-hmm. And if it works, you keep using it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, then you change it. Right. But if it's working, repeat it. Gotcha. So, okay, so I as an intuitive am extremely aware of process and systems. Because for me, process and systems enable me to do my abstracting and my use of my imagination with greater ease. Uh-huh. Because I know that things that are repeated, I know that things that are, in a sense, mundane or monotonous, can be systematized. Mm-hmm. And part of systematizing is sort of, has, it has been an inherent part of my sort of thinking since I was little. So can you speak a bit to, cause, and, and those are very much sensing functions. Mm-hmm. So can you speak to why it's so automatic for me to go into a sensing space to set things up while I'm much more comfortable in, the, in, in my intuitive space? Yeah, remember when we were talking about Myers-Briggs, we, you know, we don't have one or the other. Understood. It's okay. a blend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of going back and forth. Got it. So a, a person may have a, a, a quality of, of looking at uh, uh, speculation. And another person has a quality, the sensing person has a quality of the here and now and actuality. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at uh, your function and there are five different levels under the sensing and five different levels of int- intuition that you have to look at to see what components of, your, of sensing are you or you have more of a preference for. So you might be, uh, sensing quality could be, function could be uh, reality-based. Like I was saying, talking about details and things from the past. Mm -hmm. Well, you have that one, and you're a sensing person. Great. But a sensing person also could have a quality of being innovative and looking like change. So now you got to blend the two that, okay, I have one that is my preference, which means this is a normal characteristic. The outer preference means that there are other qualities that typically go associated with a sensing person. But in your personality, like I said, each one of us have a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. You may be out of preference. Out of preference means even though the majority of the time you have a preference for sensing, it also means that you also could have a preference for uh, looking at uh, variety and change. And mm-hmm. You have to see that, okay, I'm out of preference in one area and I'm in preference on most areas. Got it. And therefore... I go back and forth. So those, those, you know, those subtle changes makes your personality type uniquely yours. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to take 16 personalities on the planet, group them into 16 categories and types, and then say, everybody is this way. No, everybody is that way in general. But when you start getting down to using this detailed 17-page report, you start to see the subtleties that differentiate you from the person next to you. Born in the same house, same age, could be a twin, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Two different personalities and two different traits. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, how you can actually be a detailed person and be a t- intuitive. Not a detailed person, but you have a preference for doing details in certain areas that it really is not part of your general preference for being an intuitive. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, it, it, it actually does. And, um, and thank you for that because um, not only does it help me continue to embrace how I do things and why I do things, um, it can also have me be more patient when I recognize that people don't work through those preferences and, and how to be really a better partner for them um, while, of course, I keep my, my eye on the bigger picture. Well, you know, it really is for your own sanity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you can't figure out who you are mm-hmm. and why you do what you do, you can be easily influenced by someone else mm-hmm. or you may not be able to make choices that truly are for your highest and best good because you're making choices based on what somebody else says or somebody else informs you or right. somebody suggests to you. And so you're not really being true to yourself. So being able to use Myers-Briggs to really kind of see what makes you tick and say, yes, mm-hmm. I do like green Tabasco sauce, okay? Right. And when I come here, I want to ask for green Tabasco sauce. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> we can eat. But don't tell me, why do you have to have green Tabasco sauce versus red Tabasco sauce or basically hot sauce? Why do you even have to have any of that? Just salt and pepper is good enough. No, it's not. Which, which, which helps me... Which reminds me of how much respect I actually do have for sensing people. Yes. Because I can respect and work with someone who's crystal clear about what they want. 
uh, it's more difficult. It's not impossible, but it's certainly more difficult for me to work with someone who is unsure about what they want. Because the dark side of it is, uh, even in my observation, exactly what you described. That they are very easily um, uh, manipulated or influenced, really, by people who say, look, you know, I think you should go do this. And because they don't really have, uh, necessarily have a, you know, if, if that person doesn't have their own compass about being clear about what they want, um, what I, the conversations I have with these people are, all these people suggested I do this, uh, I wanted to go this other way, and ultimately I'm not happy. And I said, well, why didn't you just do what you wanted to do? Well, you know, I have to respect other people's feelings, which mm. may be another topic for another time. Uh-huh. And it gets them into trouble. They're perpetually unhappy uh-huh. because they didn't go where they wanted to go. But then when the question is, well, where did you want to go? The answer 90% of the time is, well, I don't really know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's the dark side of that. So, so this raises my um, appreciation level for sensing individuals. Uh, let, me, let me also make the good news. Mm-hmm about both of these mm-hmm. you need both mm-hmm. so there's no good or bad and what Correct, typically yeah. happens is that you'll look at not necessarily you per se you'll look at the people who will drive the waitress crazy as like they got a problem same way we look at people who are not like us as extroverts we look at introverts going they're quiet they must be hiding something mm-hmm. you know they're very secretive they don't mm-hmm. want you to know who they really are so they don't say anything because if they told you you might not like all of that conversation so we usually demonize our other opposites this is very interesting about a year ago i was working with a group and some members of the group accused me of exactly that look out for him he's quiet you never know what he's thinking you never know what's going to happen and i was completely baffled as to as to what that was, but I really get that they were coming from a uniform personality type. They all basically spoke the same and they all did the same things. I couldn't say right now which personality type that was, but they were all coming from a different personality type and therefore they were describing me as exactly the terms of you. He's got something to hide, there's something going on, blah, blah, blah. Interesting, very interesting. So now, if you're always demonizing the other, Mm -hmm. there really can't be that that uh, the crucible effect of blending and melting two different people together. Mm-hmm. So by working with them and, you know, uh, working with couples, you start to appreciate who you are and why that other person rubs you the wrong way is because you're trying to convince a picture, a, a person who <laughs> has big dreams and, and, you know, and has aspirations of becoming an astronaut. And you're going like, uh, you're 50 years old. You're not going to be an astronaut, okay? <laughs> and you kill the dream. You right, know, you right. know, you're not going to run a marathon at 72. You ought to give that up. You mm-hmm. ought to like maybe maybe ride a bike, but not a marathon. You know, so you, you start telling people what they possibly shouldn't do. And so now being able to see the person with the big picture, being able to say, well, let me explain it to you. And then the person who is an S starts to really listen and realize, oh, let me get outside the box and think the way you think as compared to the way I think. Mm-hmm. That's growth. Mm-hmm. So you realize I don't I don't I know Melvin knows he doesn't do details. I know that. Mm-hmm. So now that I know that, I don't have to fight with someone who has, you know, like Sherry who deals with details, and I don't have to fight when she says, you know, this is what happened the last time because I go like, oh, okay, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But if it's coming in something that she doesn't do, then she says, okay, you do that. So once we understand I'm a big picture person, that's what I should be doing. Doing details, I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So she gets in trouble when she tries to do the big picture. So complimenting your partner means that you should be able to know who does what and mm-hmm. to what degree as best you can, which is a challenge. You got to take some go take some classes and do some work, and, you know, get some coaching. But when you can really see, here's where I start and here's where you begin. Mm-hmm. And here's where I stop and this is where you go further. Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of go do it in concert. And now you have two energies working together to be able to really be successful as compared to an adversary. Because I think as humans, we other everything. Mm-hmm. Anything's not like me. Race, height, blonde, not, blonde no, fat, thin. The other is definitely wrong in order for you to be comfortable with who you are. Interesting. As compared to accepting who you are and realizing they're just different. They're just different. Um, and what you're saying is so consistent with something that I have as a fundamental premise to um, how I approach the coaching. Uh, at least my, my, my coaching programs is that 
in most conflicts, in most relationships, it's not the re- really the result of actual conflict, but typically the result of grotesque misunderstandings of who the other person is. Correct. That can be not only corrected, but eliminated once you understand who you're speaking to, and most importantly, as you've been saying, once you understand who you are in the equation, you, who you are, what your needs are, what your wants are, what your preferences are. And I found that to be true in actual practice. So as people understand who they are, and as people understand who the other person is, um, many of their conflicts are eliminated, number one, the ones that are rooted in that misunderstanding. Um, And then when there are conflicts, they get to focus on the actual conflict versus all the surrounding, uh, you know, conflict adjacent uh, uh, parts. And they, they, the couples will spend dramatically less time in space of conflict. Um, I know with, with my partners, if there's conflict, it normally, if we're both on the same page, a conflict may be three or four minutes long max. And if it's, if it's something that we can't agree on, somebody will say, this is how it's going to go. And it could be me, it could be the other person. This is how this is going to go, that's that. And the other person says, okay, and the conflict is done. And it never comes up as a conflict again. But sometimes, you know, when you were saying, you know, conflict can be minimized or possibly eliminated. I think minimized, yes. Mm-hmm. Eliminated, it may be just acquiescing to the fact that Sherry does details, mm-hmm. I don't. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, 90% of the conflicts that are eliminated, I find, are ultimately sort of red herrings. Okay. In other words, they're not the actual conflict. It just boils down to Sherry is detail, you're not. That's going to eliminate a lot of potential butting of heads down the road. Yes. And, and, and then there's going to be times where it's kind of like your details running me crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn left here because you think there's going to be traffic three blocks down the street. Mm-hmm. I'm going down the street. And if there is traffic, so what? Mm-hmm. You can't avoid traffic. Right. But then all these <laughs> other factors... You know, and part of the reason that Myers Briggs is so fabulous and also complex, and that it takes a lot of training to deal with, because the introvert, who is also a sensing person, mm-hmm. doesn't want to deal with traffic anyway. Anyway, that's why I drive at like five in the morning, four in the morning when there's nobody on the road. Exactly. So you can have mm-hmm. it done the way you want it done without any interference from anybody else. Mm-hmm. An extrovert. We look at it as like, wow, look how exciting this is. Because look at all the it, it's an adventure. <laughs> it's like this is a roller coaster. So I'll go out there and see, like, oh, what is my experience going to be like today? Mm-hmm. And your experience, again, is the same. But, you, you know, you scientifically try to figure out a way to do it because you're not going to stay at home mm-hmm. or try to minimize the traffic outside. You're going to deal with whatever the traffic is and try to do it in the most logical way possible to get through there and to get where you got to get to. But it won't, you know, prevent you from getting engaged with you know, a traffic jam, mm-hmm. whereas well, intuitive would go, uh, traffic jams are not my best friend. I don't want to be bothered. Yeah, I mean, a, a real world example was yesterday. Um, I we, we started uh, at, uh, what did we start? 10 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. We normally start our days together at 8 o'clock. So there's basically no rush hour between where I start and, and, and where you are. And yesterday we started at 10. And in Los Angeles, uh, that was rush hour. And because I'm so rarely in rush hour, while I'm sitting there, I'm completely reminded that there's rush hour. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I, I, I've so systematized myself to avoid rush hours probably more than 90, 95% of the time. But that probably is because of your in, uh, uh, introverted uh, mm-hmm. preference mm-hmm. as compared to the, uh, being in. And, you know, and all of these play with each other so one impacts another so you can be an introvert and you could be uh, a sensing person and be totally different than an extrovert and sensing person Mm -hmm. and also an extroverted intuitive person is very different from an uh, introverted intuitive person so every Mm -hmm. one of those just kind of like you know it's like sharpening the knife and and it gets sharper and sharper and sharper and you could become so defined that you can actually see oh this is my fingerprint this is the way I am according to Myers-Briggs. Now, Myers-Briggs, two different ways you get these characteristics. One is that by nature, you just seem, you were born and, and you know, uh, uh, and you have certain characteristics at birth and you kind of like just, you got those. Mm-hmm. Another one is that if you grow up in a family where it's necessary for you to be organized, it's necessary for you to, you know, be structured for survival, 
you pick up those qualities because they are necessary in order for you to make it. So you pick up those qualities. So a combination of the fact that you're born a particular way, like, you know, blood type, and Mm -hmm. at the same time, your environment makes a big difference. And you may even get to a point, if you're a woman, where you have to do all of this detailed stuff at work and you have to be an extrovert at work. And when you get home, you're kind of going like, well, I did that at work, but now I don't have to do that. I can relax because I'm in a different world and I'll be a different person. So, you know, sometimes you take on these characteristics because you're forced to, Mm -hmm. out of necessity, out of survival. And you had made reference to this earlier by by mentioning how important context is in terms of what um, attribute we apply at any given moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And the people that are the most successful with navigating the world are the, tend to be the people who are the most adept at assessing the context and then applying the appropriate attribute. How about you have a toolbox. Mm-hmm. You want all the tools you can have so that you can navigate and build whatever you need to build without having to go, oh, I should have put a hammer in my toolbox. Or mm-hmm. I don't have a hammer in my toolbox and I'm going to build a house. Or, Get or all, all the tools. Or all I have is a hammer. Yeah, right. You know, a hammer and a screwdriver <laughs> and a bunch of nails. And you're going to like, that probably won't cut it. Yeah. Oh, you forgot to saw. Oh, yeah. oh I got a saw and two nails. Now that's not going to work. <laughs> so, you know, you know, being able to have all of the tools possible and being mm-hmm. able to know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Like driving a car with only one gear. Park. Right. <laughs> right. You don't go very far. Oh, boy. Okay, so you need more than just one gear. And and being able to go back and forth between drive, park, reverse, neutral, now you have control. So that's a nice way of being able to say when you have all of the tools, you can now be in control of the automobile. You need all of it, forward, mm-hmm. backward, park, and neutral. You don't need one or you don't need two. I'm pretty good at one. No, you need all of those functions to work in order for you to drive the car. Beautiful. So, Dr. Melvin, this has been a fascinating investigation so thank you so much for this and all of your insights and um, I look forward to those of you listening I look forward to actually we very much look forward to hearing uh, your feedback and what conversations this sparked and what clarified uh, events and arguments and fights and successes and victories and and mysteries in your life yeah we look forward to what kind of things have shown up in your life that reinforce that you either are have a preference for being a sensing person or an intuitive person and love to see uh, hear the examples because you know then you can like anchor it in reality and being able to say, that's exactly what my husband and I, my boyfriend, my sister, my son, that's exactly <laughs> the way he talks. He, you know, he talks in metaphors. I say 30 days and he goes like, well, roughly 30 days. And I've always wanted you to. So, yeah, this could minimize conflict. So let us know how, uh, how this helps you. Beautiful. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you.